Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay authenticity guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Welcome back to The Messy Truth, conversations on photography. Today I'm talking to photographer Prathna Singh. Through her work, she illustrates the transitional nature of her homeland, India. She seeks out female-focused stories that explore the tension between tradition and modernity. Stories that unravel expectations and stereotypes, reflecting upon what it means to be a young Indian woman today. Prathna shot one of my favourite projects, The Wrestlers. She captured a group of young female Olympic hopefuls and the battles they encounter living in a deeply patriarchal society. I also want to discuss the significance of geography. In photography, location can have a direct impact on opportunity, and thriving outside the main commissioning hubs is a challenge many image makers around the world face. And with a distinctive Western aesthetic, I'm interested to find out how she established herself and cultivated an international audience for her practice. I know a lot of people, when you speak to them about their college experience, it's like, oh, it was good for me, but it didn't do what it, you know, what I'd imagined. But for me, I mean, I I always say that going to RISD changed my life because I feel like I came from an environment where we spoke about the arts, but it wasn't given that kind of importance. And we also didn't have those outlets. Um, like studying photography in high school was just not even an option. So yeah, really being at RISD and being surrounded by you know your peers who are all so driven and your faculty which was so diverse and so encouraging and also just being in this extremely rigorous schedule where you know you feel like you're in school but um, your work has to sort of match up they encourage you to be an artist and I know that there are a lot of other schools like SV and Parsons which are equally great but um I think they sort of have this commercial bend to them. Yeah. And RISD really didn't sort of have that. It just was like, go out there, make your art, put it out and then see what happens. I can view it in that way where I'm like, I'm an artist. So no matter what job I get, I can, I sort of have that approach to it. So after RISD, you moved to New York and you assisted there. Can you tell me a little bit about that experience? Yeah. So I moved to New York. I was straight out of school and I was, you know, just applying for just trying to be assist 
um, at that point a photographer or actually like any not a particular photographer but just gain experience so I would spend hours on Craigslist which was the place at that point mm-hmm. to look for jobs Instagram didn't exist so you couldn't really reach out to people then and um, I did and I actually had a, an experience where I worked with a photographer who was you know struggling himself and sort of wanted me to help him out finding jobs and then on the other extreme i managed to work with nathaniel goldberg who is a um, very established and well known photographer in fact at that point of time he was moving his entire archive from film to digital and he required someone to be in the studio to help him sort of um archive his entire like body of work wow. and um I got to do that for quite a few months and I got to see all like a lot of his fashion work that he'd been shooting and it was a great experience for me and the other experience in itself was also quite interesting because you know New York is a city where you see these extremes where there are people who are extremely acclaimed and you know sort of make their way up the ladder and then there are people who don't manage to do that and they're both existing and they're both looking for work and um so with the other photographer i would you know go there and make calls to agencies and you know sort of try and pitch his work and um he was always interested with what's happening in Nathaniel's studio of course <laughs> <laughs> but um i think they were great learning experiences and i'm actually in touch with both of them and you know we um with Nathaniel he's he does a body of work that he uh, continues in India and with Charles he still emails me being like Pratna how did you get this commission and I you know it's so great because it's like we're all in it together for me at that age uh, being in New York and sort of living that experience was great and after that you decided to return to Mumbai yeah well actually it was also the time that the recession right. just hit so it was not a very good time for me to be in new york and look for a job i mean it wasn't a good time for anyone and yeah. definitely not for an immigrant trying to stay on in america also i think like in new york the way things go if you're an assistant you know you sort of become someone's assistant and then you work your way for years you stay with them for like an extended period of time like nathaniel's assistant john i remember was with him for like 13 years mm-hmm. so i knew that also that is not something that i wanted to do i knew that i wanted to just start on the path no matter how slow it is but to start doing my own work it seemed like it was the right time for me to leave so then i moved back actually to delhi oh, okay. because that's where i'm from originally oh, right. and i spent um i mean i was it was a very hard time actually because i was right out of school i had this time in new york that you know makes you believe like okay you know you're sort of on the go all the time and no matter what you're doing stuff you know and you move back to delhi and honestly it was a very harsh environment this was almost like this was in 2008 and um, things are quite different and the same in the sense that delhi is still not the safest and kindest place for a woman to live and um, i was living alone at that point i was trying to look for work i would go out and meet people but i feel like i had come from a different kind of mindset and i had been taught differently i had made a beautiful book of my work and i had hand bound it and i would and i had a few contacts or so go out and meet people but i it wasn't like i wasn't getting the kind of reaction and i wasn't sort of having those conversations that i was expecting to have and so it really did bring me down to some extent and i also 
really did miss living in a city where I could just get up and leave. And it was absolutely impossible for me to do that in Delhi. In fact, if I would leave the house and I wasn't home before dark, you know, you'd get phone calls. Are you okay? Where are you? Please let us know. And, you know, understandably so, because it's just a very hostile environment. And so I just felt very weighed down. I was really not feeling myself. And I was like, this is not where I want to be. Um, until I got, at, actually at that time, Condé Nast entered India. So we didn't have any of, um, like we didn't have Vogue or GQ. We, we do have them all now, but they had just entered India at that point. So there was a lot of work sort of being generated through that and I got a call to assist this French photographer who was doing a cover shoot for Vogue and that was in Bombay and I was like you know what yes I'm gonna take this job and um, as soon as I got to Bombay I just remember feeling like that's it I have to live here I can't go back to Delhi even though Delhi is where I grew up and my family is and everything I felt completely stifled over there so yeah I just packed my bags and then I moved to Bombay Wow. So it's a whole new start from there. Yeah. So at that time, what were you making work about? Because I remember you saying even while you were at RISD, you were making work about India. Yeah. You know, I have to say that I wasn't, I hadn't like streamlined my thought at that point. I was also, when I was at RISD, I had just learned how to use the four by five. And um, I was shooting a lot on that camera. I think that my work has always been based in portraiture and that's like been the backbone of my work throughout. So I was shooting a lot of portraits. I was traveling a lot in India and I was um, making a lot of portraits of even my family members and extended family members. I was just really trying to broaden my um, horizon as to what was the subject matter that I was really looking for but I was doing it through just taking my 4 by 5 getting on a bus in India going to like another state or a town which was again very at that point quite questionable like you know are you okay doing this it's not but I did and I'm really happy that I did and Touchwood I was fine and I didn't you know have any kind of I mean maybe one or two but I didn't have any um, very untoward experience but um, yeah, I traveled a lot. I traveled throughout India and I really went out there and just made a bunch of portraits. And I think that at that point, um, even though I didn't have a specific idea in mind, and now when I look back to it and I look back at their work, I think I can still say it was very honest. Um, so that's where I started out. And I think through the course of that, I did realize that I'm very much drawn to stories of female strength. Yeah, can you talk about that a little bit? Because I remember you describing it to me as um, exploring the forces people are dealing with and the wounds they leave behind, which I thought sounded really powerful. Yeah, I mean, I think that living in a country like India, you can't, you can never ignore the environment that you're in. And also how things unfold around you. And I think that I am constantly aware of the fact that I am a product of what is around me. And um, I also understand that I come from a very privileged place. I come from class privilege. I come from caste privilege. Because in India, these things are quite crucial. And the fact is that I, I carry that with me and I still, I mean, I have the opportunity to make work, to be a photographer, which I think about very often is that I'm sure there are many women that I've interacted with 
in India who probably have wanted to follow a path that I have, but have not got the opportunity and probably never will. So I think keeping all these things in mind, when I enter a space to make an image, I want to carry that empathy with me. And yeah, and living in this country where things are so extreme. When I talk about the wounds that people have is that life really is harsh and it's not an easy sort of everyday, you know, uh, existence. And just seeing how people deal with that and what they're left behind with. And sometimes it's really incredible for me to be able to, for them to allow me to enter that space and make that image with them. And um, I always hope that visually that can come through. Yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about girls, which is quite a good example in terms of one of your projects, which sort of speaks to this idea of women fighting for their personal freedom. It's quite personal to some extent. I have to say that even with girls and even with the work that I've been making with the wrestlers and now further with other girls in sports, it is personal to the extent that for me and for many other women, there's this space that we occupy where then you're a woman, you're a girl, and then, you know, you're now expected to be a woman, which really means that there's a certain age in India where people expect certain things out of you. You know, if you're in your 30s and you're not married, it's almost like ghastly. It's like, oh, what is wrong with you? Does nobody want to, like, marry you? Have you not found anyone? Can your parents not find anyone for you? It's almost like you're, like, an untouchable. Um, and, like, you know, so it's not... So that space and then, you know, it never stops, I feel, because once you're married, it's like, oh, but when are you going to give us the good news? This is a very common term used in India, which I'm asked constantly because now I've been married for six years. And uh, so they expect me to give them. So where's the when are you going to give us the good news? And I'm like, so it's just constant. It doesn't end ever. I feel especially when you're a woman, there are all these expectations and they just lay them on you and you carry them with you. And I think girls came out of that where I was feeling the pressure and I could feel this unspoken sort of pressure that existed amongst all the women that I interact with who are going through a very similar story. And um, that's when I started making these portraits. And I think that I would have a conversation with some of them about, you know, like, how is it to be um, I mean, we're all in it together and how is it? And, you know, it would be funny stories to stories like, ah, oh, you know, like I think my parents have given up on me now. And and um, so that is sort of what I was looking at when I started with girls. It really was an extension of um, me feeling all these things. And I think photography is a very emotional um, thing where it's where, you know, you carry your emotions and then it's extended into your work at least I feel like the most uh, the kind of work that I can probably relate to is definitely very emotional and yeah um, I agree I think the more personal the work is the more powerful it is for sure yeah and I think even with making images of these girls the sports in the sports arenas came from a place where I had almost been living in India for nine years and I was desperately looking for new role models. I mean, it was as simple as that. Sometimes when I really think about it, I'm like, I met one of the girls. I met one of the wrestlers. It was just an absolute chance meeting. And um, that was it. 
I met her and I was like, I'm, I want to follow her. Like, I want to go... I, I want to go where she's going. I want to know her story. And I must make an image of her. Like, just meeting her once had that kind of effect on me. And I think The Wrestlers was born from a place of absolute admiration for these women. I mean, I'm such a huge fan of that project. As I always tell you, I think it's absolutely incredible. And it's it's just so powerful because we're just not used to seeing Indian women portrayed in that way. We're not. I don't even think we're familiar with seeing the physicality of Indian women that it's just not celebrated and that's what makes those images so powerful to me they're such a celebration of like strength and physicality and beauty and their stories are just so intriguing as soon as you see the image you just want to know everything about these women so what what was the creative process like working on that because I remember you saying that you um, attended some of their training camps yeah so so I, like I mentioned, I had this chance meeting after which I was absolutely obsessed with making sure that I can somehow visually um, encapsulate their stories. And um, I, it, getting access was really, is not easy. Also, because a lot of the training camps are run by the government. And uh, once that happens in India, there's a lot of bureaucracy and access issues. And um, there's also a lot of loopholes that you have to jump through and, you know, contact this one, write a letter to this person. So I had quite a difficult time, but I think six months into it, um, I just I got through to someone who said, OK, you can come to Lucknow, which is this um, uh, capital of Uttar Pradesh in the north in India. And they said, you know, we're setting up a training camp and you can come here. So it's just, so I think like in India, that's the thing. So things don't work out, don't work out. And then there'll be this magical window of opportunity and you have to take it. That's just exactly what happened to me now. Also, when I went to this boxing camp pretty recently. So it's, it's, it doesn't work out. And then if you get that, you just go. So as soon as I got a green light for that, I was like, okay, I'm going to go. But I didn't know what I was getting myself into. All I knew is that I had met this girl and she told me, you know, a bunch of us are going to be there training. So it'll be good for you because you can watch us train. You can get an idea of how we spend our day. And, you know, you could photograph more than just me, you know, there since there will be um, a lot of them. So I went to the camp on my own and uh, I, you know, met the coaches and everyone. And they said, OK, you can be here. And you, But the thing is that being at the camp is the girls have no time for anything except for Training, training and sleeping and eating and understandably because they're mostly all training to go to competitions and international competitions and regional competitions and nationals but at, you know in sports is the one thing you realize when you are around people who are sports people is that they're so dedicated to their craft that there's really no they have blinders so it's like when I would go when I went into the camp and of course you know I, I was first just start trying to like figure out how I want to make these portraits. I had always in my mind that I wanted to make a very sculptural image and not a documentary style. I didn't want to approach this project in a documentary style, which I have to say is also not what I do. I mean, I, I don't, that's not my approach anyway. And, um, I just wanted to make a very strong portrait, but I also wanted to be able to have them sort of be my co, um, in, in, rather than just being subjects, like we, we're in it together and they can also tell me, them. yeah, how they would like to be photographed. Mm. 
So I, so the first two days was just me, so, you know, figuring this out. And then slowly I was like, okay, you know, I must speak to each one of them and ask them, can they give me time, even if it's just 20 minutes in their day, so we can make this portrait. So I slowly started moving towards that. And I would have a lot of conversations also with them of where they came from. A lot of them, most of them are very young. You know, you have to start training at quite a young age. And a lot of them came from Punjab and Haryana, which are these two states which actually have the highest rate of female infanticide. And um, also not, Haryana is like got a, like an incredible amount of violence against women incidents that occur on a very daily basis. So it's sort of this extreme where, you know, they're coming from a place where women are really treated n- n- not well at all. Forget incidents of violence, but just on an everyday domestic setting so they move away from that and they've come to train as wrestlers which again is not the norm in India from any standard for women getting into sports is not the norm at all and then for women getting into a sport where physically their bodies have to transform and almost sort of replicate a a male body type which is very looked down upon in the sense even if I was to tan and become two shades darker uh, my grandmother or someone from my family would probably tell me that oh my god like you know you really need to do something about your skin color so physicality female physicality is really seen in a certain way where you're supposed to conform to this norm of looking like a woman because then eventually you know you're setting up to be chosen as a bride so it all sort of adds up and uh, and I feel like just when I entered that camp and saw these women, I was like, oh, my God, these these girls are incredible, you know, and the way they train and just how they were on the mat, like they were so different to when they were off the map because I feel like they were very powerful. And then when I photographed them, I always, always see this certain vulnerability in them. I agree. Yeah, there's a softness. Yeah. And I I do feel like, power and vulnerability you know two sides of the same coin but it was very interesting for me to be able to see that within this context and and sort of like uh, observe it you know and um, then try and have that conversation with them and then set up that portrait what are the repercussions for them in terms of taking on this sport is you know how do the communities and their families react um i did speak to a few of them about that so a few of them have a good experience in the sense that now because actually one of the girls that i photographed four years ago was the first female wrestler to win a medal for india in the olympics so i think when something like that happens, it's a huge change. It's like, because suddenly it's all like celebration and oh my God, you did this for our country. This is great, you know. But but for her to reach there and for what's happened before, I mean, she's the first female to win a medal from from the country. This was a year ago, you know. And so the journey and sort of the build up for her to get to this place is really what we don't speak about that much and what I wanted to speak about with the work is that okay she's one of the hundred girls who are who's there at the camp but there's so many others and they may not win in a medal but they're all going through this 
journey. And of course, they're facing a lot of slack for it back home because firstly, they're not encouraged to do it. In fact, one of the girls I had photographed was a swimmer. And I remember her mother, I spoke to her mother and her mother told me, she's like, you know, her grandfather still doesn't know that she's an Olympic level swimmer. She's like, we can never tell him. Wow. So I'm like, so what do you tell him? She's like, oh, no, we just say, you know, she does other stuff. She's into sports, but we cannot tell her, tell him that she's a swimmer. Because if we tell her, tell him that she's a swimmer, that means she wears a swimming costume. It's as basic as that. So this girl that I photographed, Shivani Kataria, she also represented India in the Olympics. I think she was one of the, again, like the first or the... Um, and then her mo- and she, she has a brother and the mother told me, she's like, you know, it's so hard for us to put in so much time and money into our daughter because we've decided that she's got, she's talented and this is what she wants to do. And she's representing the country. She's like, because we have a son. And so many people tell us, they're like, why are you wasting your money on this girl wow. when you have this boy? And she's like, he doesn't have the talent. She does. Like He's a great boy like he's there he's studying he's going to school he's doing everything but she's like we hear it all the time she's so I mean the the stories are countless and they're probably not gonna I mean it's not gonna change overnight well it's a testament to how important your work is that you're telling these stories that would otherwise go unheard yeah I think it's quite important and I also constantly think about like the time that we're living in India right now it's quite a scary time we have an extremely right-wing government that has just come back into power. And I always tell myself I th- I, that I think it's more important than ever for these stories to come out because um, just the things that are happening and the laws that are being made and the way things are being placed, they're not for they're not forward-thinking. They're not to take us forward and they're definitely not for... Um, women's empowerment in any way. You're listening to The Messy Truth, conversations on photography. And you've been working on The Restless for a few years now and you said you're looking to expand the project out now and you're kind of calling the broader project champion. Yeah. And are you looking at different types of women's sports? Yeah, so actually I just recently, two months ago, got access again, only took me three and a half years. Wow. Um, but I went to another training camp in Haryana this time in Rotak and um, it was a training camp for young girls to be boxers and uh, again I feel like you know every time I go back to these spaces I'm completely blown away by these women and so it really affects me as in of the kind of work to make more of it also because I see them and I'm like look like there some of them were like in this camp they were like they had the younger girls, so they had youth, they had junior, and they had elite. Some of the girls are like 11, 12, you know, six, to the range of 16. And um, yeah, they spend up to 10 to 11 months of the year in this training camp, wow. just every single day training to um, be boxers and, you know, refine their craft. And then eventually, hopefully, to be able to represent their country, which is something that I mention even in my statement about the wrestlers is that you know I asked across the board a number of girls you know what is something that you would want more like the one thing that you'd want and I think every single one of them was set to win a medal for the country 
which then comes down to when I was thinking about gender and the nation is that it's so funny because of course they want to win a medal for the country. They're training to do that their whole lives, you know, that moment when they're going to represent India. And coming back to where they're from and society and, you know, Haryana or the village where they belong, it's like they are constantly fighting those battles. And so I think that it's it's this very interesting sort of um, conversation to be had. Well, they're living two different lives almost in yeah. some ways. And I mean, the people and the country and the the one thing that they want to represent is also the one thing that's constantly pulling them back and mm, giving them all this. Them. Yeah. It's yeah. a fascinating project. It's just so important. I can't wait to see the new work as well. <laughs> I just want to ask, what's been the impact um, when you've been showing the wrestlers in India? What's been the audience response? Um, in India, mm-hmm. specifically? Uh, I think the response has been quite positive. To I have shown it in India in a few places. I haven't actually shown the entire body of work anywhere not in India and not outside I've shown like a few images um, that have been part of the project but you know I was thinking about it and I was thinking about mortality and death and many positive things in life but also about like you know what what is it that I would want to leave behind with this project you know and I like I was speaking about earlier I think I would once I'm done with it I would just ideally love for it to be in a form that can be that people can go back to at any point of time that young women in India growing up in India in any part of India coming from any social economic background can look at and and just be as sort of taken by it as I was so I mean eventually that's what I would love for it, to just have posterity be out there and perhaps maybe a book does come to mind when I think of something that's tangible and that can stay. But yeah. So I'd love to talk a little bit about what the photography scene is like in India and in um, Bombay as well. Yeah. Is it a challenging space to work in? I won't lie. Yes. It is 100% a challenging space to work in. And um, I think that what it was for all these years was that there was very little space for women. Bringing about that change, like with anything, is going to take time. Yeah. You said before that it was quite a commercial space and it was dominated by quite a small group of male photographers who got all of the jobs. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's seeing a little bit of change now and I'm always very excited to see another woman who's being you know commissioned or doing work and I'm always like yes I'm so happy to see this job did not go to the same photographer that it's been going to or you know similar work but um, I think we have a long long way to go because of the fact that it had just been occupied for all these years it's very hard to make room and I always say that like if nobody's making room for you you have to make room for yourself you know and I think that um, women like Dianita Gauri Gill are incredible examples of, you know, Dainita started out much before me, you know, in her time when she speaks about her experience, it's like she was literally the only one. 
So I think that, you know, photographers like her have to be given that credit for going out there and, you know, sort of beginning this revolution. Mm. And then, um, and then, yeah, now we're at a space where inching, we're inching there. But, uh, but yeah, also the photography space in itself is very commercial. It is quite, especially in Bombay, one of the reasons is that we have a large part of the work comes from Bollywood, which which expects and sort of delivers this kind of very, um, I don't even know how to describe it, but there's... It's got its own aesthetic. Yeah. It's an aesthetic. They want things to look a certain way. It's quite highly retouched and worked in the post-production. It has to look a certain way. And I'm 100% sure my work doesn't prescribe to that aesthetic. So finding the right kind of work for me took me a long time because earlier I was just a photographer in India who'd come from America back home and was looking for work in India until I realized I'm a photographer. I can, you know, work for anyone. I could come to London and do a job. I could be anywhere. And I also have the added benefit of having been outside and studied that. So slowly, I think I understood that about myself. It took some time for me to get that confidence. And then I also feel like I had a really good opportunity to be able to come to London a few times, meet editors and photo editors, show them my work. And then when I went back, they were like, okay, Prathna, can you do this job for us? Great. So that that's kind of how you approached it. You kind of went to meet sort of international editors and kind of build those relationships. Yeah, I got very lucky because I think Kalpesh was like a godfather. He was like, what are you doing? You're in India making great work. Why don't you sort of think about, you know, broadening your perspective? And I was like, yeah, you know, why not? And so I think that it's always amazing to have someone a mentor or somebody who can just like help you because you're in India, you're out there and you're not being able to make that connection perhaps, Mm -hmm. you know, and even if it's just one person and then through them, they introduce you to other people. It's a, yeah, it's a great start. Yeah. I think it's funny because it's something that affects photographers all over the world. You know, I've worked with photographers in Australia and Denmark in all these different uh, pockets of the marketplace where the market isn't as established or they're not making work which aligns with the aesthetic, it can be really tough for them to find enough work and to kind of matchmake with the publications that really suit their style. So that's really interesting to know that that's how you've been building the relationships and you've kind of been growing that and kind of expanding that more and more. Yeah, and I think that's that's sort of how it started for me and I did a few commissions that I think went quite well. I um, got commissioned by Emma to do a portrait of Arundhati Roy for FT Weekend a year ago. And I think just from then on, actually, there was a good sort of a threshold sort of for me. And um, yeah, I did. now I can say that I'm in a good space where um, I get commissioned for at least two or three jobs from outside India every month, if not more sometimes, really depends on how it's going. And um, and then, of course, I think that being in India and being commissioned by someone who's sitting in D.C. or L.A. or, you know, wherever they are at that moment um, has a positive and a negative to it. Because I always say that, like, I think understanding and communication are two very key 
components to it from my end too and from the end of the editors because it's important for them to understand um that I'm on ground and you know there are certain decisions that I'm going to take at that point or that are just decisions that you know cannot be taken sitting at the other end of the world and um and yeah good clear communication and i feel like a good photo editor will always give you that room but also on the other end it's quite difficult because you know sometimes i'm like commissioned for instance i did the story for wired last year that spoke about hate crimes in india and how whatsapp is fueling a lot of hate crimes for which i had to go to a tiny village in maharashtra and um, then it's not always the safest either right so it's like i'm taking off me and my camera heading out like for like a seven and a half eight hour journey to a village seven hours further more into maharashtra so i'm driving for 20 hours on my own um and and i have just a very limited time to do the story and come back with the pictures and i think that in this day and age the way we're working with news and stories this hyper sort of um deliverable like where you where you have such a short period of time go shoot the story get the pictures it can be quite uh overwhelming yeah and um also sometimes the fact that you're alone doesn't help because you know I'm if I'm not feeling completely okay with entering this place on my own I have to take a call at that point and be like no I'm not going to go there I'm not going to drive another 8 hours to this village when someone who's local has told me don't go there alone so that's it you yeah. know I feel like then if I have to tell the editor she has to be understanding and say okay you know that's fine I want you to do here or maybe you can compensate you can go somewhere else and um and also the language you know I speak the language I remember for this story there had been a writer who'd been before me but he was British or American so the people who'd been affected by the hate crime I remember there were five men who'd been lynched and now I was going to photograph the families of these men who had just been lynched to death with stones and um this, so the writer had been before me but they couldn't communicate with him and no one from the government and nobody from our side had gone to the to the victims families to speak to them so actually i was the first person no. who went there wow. who they could speak to in and who understood the language so it was impossible for me to go there and just be like okay okay now i'm here and i have to do the story i had to sit there and i had to listen to their stories and they wept and uh, and they told they it was the women it was the children because it was the men who had been um killed and i knew i was running short on time and i knew i had all these restrictions but but yeah that's a very intense experience for you like yeah. m- above and beyond being a photographer who yeah. is really embedded in the stories that you're telling and really passionate about these stories that really is above yeah. and beyond It's complicated. <laughs> well, I was just going to say I think almost the tide is changing and people commissioners, you know, international commissioners are commissioning more in country and I think that's fantastic because obviously as a photographer working in that country you absolutely understand the political landscape, what's going on socially, you're tuned into all these nuances and I think yeah. most importantly you're tuned into the stereotypes and yes. you know how Yeah. you want to portray your country or the story that you're telling in a way which is not yeah 
working backwards, it's pushing forwards. And I think that's just so important. So I have noticed that more and more people are doing that, which I think is great. Yeah, it is great. And then you still see those stories that are, you know, where they're bringing in the photographers from outside. And I'm always like, I'm sure you could have, you know, found someone. But, you know, that's that I'm sure that'll change too. But yeah, it's always good to see a a well-nuanced story. And I think that does many times come from commissioning someone who's on ground, who's living that reality on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Does it frustrate you, the challenges of kind of your geography and how that impacts on opportunities? Or do you feel like you're in a good space now? Yeah, you know, we all have our moments where I'm like, what am I doing here? And... um I also feel like there are not a lot of people who occupy the exact space that I do in India. Um, I have a lot of peers and of course I have a lot of friends who do photography, but I think a lot of them also sort of in the whole fashion, commercial sort of arena. Um, I do a little bit of that in India. I, I also choose those, like, I'm quite picky about those jobs. Um, but I think I don't have someone who's, you know, there with me doing something very similar. Um, there was Paula Me, she moved to England recently, um, who's also a great inspiration, you know, does some incredible work. And uh, so I think that, yeah, there is there are a lot of moments, I won't lie, where I am sort of hitting myself against a wall and thinking, what's going on here? And uh, then I, you know, look at people who are in England or in New York. And, you know, one is that you have so many opportunities. And two is that you also have a lot of uh, things to be inspired by constantly. You have great shows. You have talks that are happening. And I'm always like bummed. I'm like, oh, I'd love to hear this talk. Uh, But, you know, I also feel that I could not do what I'm doing anywhere else. And I do not feel as passionately about anything as I do about the stories that I'm telling currently. Yeah, and that's an important space to be for sure. And interestingly, you just mentioned community and you're working um, as part of a collective Just Another Photo Festival, yeah. which is this incredible guerrilla style photo festival, which is trying to bring photography to different parts of India. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about how you got involved in that? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, actually, we were we have to put one together this year. I know CJ and me spoke about it earlier. So Polmy and CJ had started this about three or four years ago. And uh, they did one in Delhi, I remember, and had shown my work there. So it's basically like what you said, a guerrilla-style photo festival um, that aims to take photography back to the people, which I feel quite strongly about also in India, um, because I feel like the work that I make, I would... 100% love for people to be able to see it beyond a gallery space. Um, it doesn't excite me. Of course, it does to some extent. You know, it's great that people come and view your work, but that's a very certain kind of person in India. And really, these stories that need to go out need to go out much further and deeper beyond a gallery, which is why I was so excited when Polymy and CJ were um, setting up the second edition, which we did in Banaras, and they said, do you want to come on board and help? And I was like, absolutely. And actually, it's one of the first places that I showed the wrestlers, which was quite a surreal experience because we had set up, so it was five days of the festival. It's like a traveling festival, but within Banaras. So the first day we had taken it to a village outside Banaras where there was no electricity for two hours. So we had to get a generator. And the entire village, I remember, and neighboring villages 
came to see this projection and of course they didn't know what they were going to be watching but for them it was just like oh you know these guys are setting up a screen maybe they were they might have even thought they're going to watch a bollywood movie but they all sat through it it was almost 2 hours um Bollywood and CJ had curated an incredible lineup of artists from all over the world it wasn't just indian photographers they had really got a great um group of artists and um and they they watched it for two hours the whole village the grandmothers who uh, the the family the dogs like <laughs> everyone was there and it was it, it was so good to see because right after that they asked questions and their questions were just so endearing and so real and it's the kind of questions that you want people to um sort of come up with after they see this work and some of them were so they were just funny you know and they were just um they live they live a completely different life and they were getting to experience this whole new world and uh, i still remember there was a project by a photographer about it's just a really a funny uh, project about people getting different haircuts you know and just one after the other like you know and they laughed you know they had such a great time and then i remember when i showed the wrestlers they couldn't even believe they were girls they were like no these are not girls you know like girls don't do this stuff so it's so important i feel to be able to take the work out and um, yeah that's why i was very thrilled to be able to you know join hands with just another photo festival and i think that um i hope that we can continue yeah yeah it's a brilliant idea and from looking at the documentation behind it it's, they're just such intimate settings as well like right in the heart of communities <laughs> like i can't think of anything better in terms of how you'd want to experience photography it's awesome yeah intimate and not because sometimes we would just set up on the street there would be like five cows and there would be a screen and then there would be like some guy smoking his hookah and there would be like someone going on their cycle it was yeah it was amazing that's so cool yeah. brilliant Well that's it. Thank you so much. That thanks so much for coming on. It's fantastic to speak to you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Messy Truth. You can find more information about today's guests in the show notes. Theme music is changed by Judd Greenstein from the album Awake and design is by Ruby White. You can follow updates on the podcast on my Instagram at @gemfletcher or subscribe to my newsletter at gemfletcher.com. Feel free to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay authenticity guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all. jewelry that makes you look like the gem or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly ebay gets it so look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch stitch sole and logo is checked by experts with ebay authenticity guarantee you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach ensure your next purchase is the real deal visit ebay.com for terms